1: Good evening. The opinions and statements voiced by our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this network. Enjoy the shows.
0: You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live, live, live out of Birmingham, Alabama.
2: Welcome to the Paranormal Experienced Radio Show, with your host, Kat Hobson. We are here to learn all we can about every type of experience within the paranormal. There will be interviews with seasoned investigators of the spiritual realm, including ufologist cryptozoologists, psychics, mediums, authors, and creators of technology, and others with credible knowledge to share. Together we will find out what brought these investigators of the unknown into the field and learn what keeps them working so hard in it. I'm interested in learning how these individuals go about their work, and I believe you are too. This program is all about bringing those who are in the field together with our listeners who are interested in what they find. For us, the paranormal is all about working with and supporting each other. We're all here seeking answers The questions that bother us so now let's get those answers and enjoy the show
1: hello there welcome to paranormal experienced radio i am kat hobson your host and you are listening to wbhm digital broadcasting out of birmingham alabama i'm so glad you're here because one way or the other, we were going to get this show done. <laughs> Before we get started, I want to say a big hello to my friend Mary Marshall, who is fighting what appears to be the COVID virus. Um, they don't have testing kit available where she is, and so she doesn't have a defined diagnosis, but she has all of the symptoms, and she's, she's such a trooper, so she's... She's posting a blogging about it as she's fighting it, and she is one tough chica, I'm telling you. So Mary, praying for you, you take care of you, and tonight we are going to get this right. We have had scheduling, we have had very bizarre internet issues, and neither one of us really think that's normal, but we don't think it's too, you know, woo-woo either. It's just really frustrating, but I am so glad to be able to welcome Robin Terry. Hi, Robin. How are you?
3: Hey, Kat. I'm doing great. It's, it's a nice, clear, looks like it might rain here tonight, but I don't think we're supposed to get the storms like we had a couple weeks ago.
1: Well, we had storms last week and then um, technical issues on top of that. And I was just like, holy cats, this is crazy. So, it's been um, probably all the energy, the worry energy that people are putting out a little bit, but um, and I'm glad you're here now, because you have so much to offer, and we were having such a great conversation when the, the feed just went kaput. So... Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. Well... I can't think of any reason for it to, because we're supposed to have storms, but not until two in the morning. I love when they come at night. Not, but um, yeah, we'll be fine. From my mouth to God's ear, right? There you go. So. <laughs> well, tell me, I I know about your your locations. I have not been to all of them. I've been to one. And my goal is to get there once we're allowed to get there and do this, uh, it, definitely, art theater. But you are the owner of Ashmore Estates and the Haunted Art Theater, and you volunteer and help with the Reds Hotel and the Cheney Mansion, right?
3: Right, yep. I do that with Chaney, help them with their social media stuff and bookings and website and just things like that.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you that that is such a big value because I struggle with that side of this. And for no apparent reason, I chat on social media all the time, but trying to keep a constant presence and update and such is, I find very hard to do. So... Kudos
3: to you for doing that for them. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's a a, a historical society that kind of runs that whole thing. And, and, you know, they're a little older and, you know, didn't, you know, I think they're even older than I am. And uh, so it wasn't uh, something that they were normally used to doing. So I told them I'd help them out and do that. uh, So I've been doing it for maybe three years now, something like that.
1: Well, how many, I mean, do you actually, can you actually stay at the Cheney Mansion like a hotel?
3: No, they don't allow people to spend the night there. But it's it's um, just because the furniture in there is period correct. And they're just mm-hmm. afraid that people will try to sleep on the beds and things like that. But, you know, they can investigate until like 2 in the morning if they wanted to. And But it's it's an incredible place. And you can look it up at com. I'm oh, sorry, .net. Yeah, that's what it is, that one. And, uh, yeah, net And you could move into that place tomorrow it's that nice in there it's heated air conditioned it's just a gorgeous location
1: well it's a gorgeous structure it is just beautiful so did has it been maintained all of its life or did it did it become derelict and then somebody brought it up to standard
3: no, they, they actually, it was, and I don't know a lot of the history cause I kind of do the more behind the scenes stuff with it, but it was, it was out there for quite a while. And then, uh, there, I guess it was like in 1998, a couple of gentlemen purchased it and donated it back to the, uh, historical society. And they did a lot of work on it just to make it better and all. I mean, it wasn't falling apart or dilapidated. It just needed to, uh, it needed a little bit of sprucing up here and there. And, uh, so they did that, got it up and running and, uh, I mean, it's it's a fantastic location, and uh, there's nothing nothing to be worried about in going into that. It's just a beautiful place.
1: Well, is it is it quite haunted?
3: I've investigated a couple times there, and we've got some interesting things. And uh, there's a lot of people that go there. And my problem when I go to locations is that I normally sit and talk to whoever owns the place or runs the place and just kind of wander around. So I don't do sometimes as much investigating as I probably should because we get wrapped up in just just chatting about the place. But I've got a lot of friends that have been there numerous times and have had all kinds of crazy experiences in the place. I know in the basement area, they actually, it was a underground railroad at one time. And there's an area down there that they used to, it, you know, that the story goes that they used to house the slaves in there that would stay there until they needed to leave. And there's a lot of people that go in there and get touched and just you know all kinds of you know, creepy, creepy things happen to them. And uh, it's you know, same thing upstairs. There's, it's been in numerous different places. It's been a doctor's office, a bank, a house and all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of opportunities there for things to happen. Oh,
1: wow. You know, I investigated... With a group of my women friends, um, a mansion, it's actually the only remaining mansion in its area, but they had an area underneath that was also part of the Underground Railroad. It was quite active. And you could still, because the tracks are still back there, the trains still run. But it was, it was that way before, so they would either be coming you know, hopping off a train and running to the house, or if it was time to move on and they had a place to go, then, you know, they would just run and get on the trains if they could. Of course, if they weren't able to do that, they would have to to walk or have some other means, but it was actually very handy. And the the whole place, the whole town was just very unusual energy. I guess maybe not a lot of people really did that, but it was in Ohio, so I found that interesting that they would still hmm. need that kind of protection once they got that far north. I'm glad it was provided. Yeah,
3: it's a, yeah it was. In fact, they, uh, they had some, some tunnels that supposedly ran underneath the roads and everything there, so it was uh, it was just a, an interesting, there's a lot of interesting history of in the place and, and what's going on with it.
1: Well, I am so, I am so ready to travel. (laughs) I am so ready to get on the road just as soon as it's safe for everybody to do so. But um, I know that you have, I know of two events so far that did not come off, and I'm sure that there's others that you're having to put off too. But I know that the Autism Awareness and the Suicide Prevention Awareness um both weren't able to go do you have anything else that that you're hopeful for coming up or are you just going to stay down for the summer
3: no no we i mean we're just kind of waiting to see what happens you know it's a uh, the the suicide awareness was shut down. Now the autism one, I don't know that that's been shut down yet. I'm not, I'm not hosting that. We're just providing the location for them. But um, as far as I know, they're still doing it, you know, or planning on it at this point in time anyway. So we're they just will. kind to of waiting. I hope so. Yeah.
1: yeah it's a, uh,
3: you know, I don't know what's going to be shut down yet. I, I, in fact, I threw something on my Ashmore States page and asked people if they're going to be, you know, going to events when they open up—are they going to be social distancing, staying home type of thing, or, or what they're doing? And it's about a fifty-fifty right now. But I've kind of looked at that, and I thought two different ways, two different schools of thought with that whole thing. Is the big events that they have, where there's like twenty-five and thirty thousand people, or ten thousand people, or whatever? You know, there's there's a lot of people there. But as you know, when you're sitting behind a table, you're you're fairly social distance when we take the band, the mystery machine up and do some mm-hmm. things with lost limbs you're you're pretty much stuck behind the table and you're kind of away from people so it's not a, as much a concern the uh, the events that i've gone to where there's like 50 or 60 people where you come out and you investigate with celebrities or you do some things like that those are the ones i think that are early on that i'm going to be really more cautious with than anything because you're right you're with people all the time and you know, it's hard to get away
1: from everybody well it is and you know, the I get exasperated because I've I had the flu right before all of this started happening, so I was considered even with my other immune deficiencies double whammied, right? Because it was a it was a hard flu. I my doctor's like, I don't know, you may have already had that. But um yeah, I've been in the house for almost I guess almost really three months definitely two and a half but I'm ready I'm done and then we wound up having a um, a person that works for us a person in their home is sick with this virus and just found out yesterday and I'm like no I do not want to self-isolate anymore you are not going to be able to bring germs back into this house. <laughs> and he was just like, I'm sorry. But, you know, but it really is that serious. I just, you know, and and you have unexpected vulnerability to it. And, you know, it's just so frustrating and you have to be so careful.
3: Yeah, it's kind of put me on the shelf. I, I, I'm on fire rescue here in town and I usually run a lot of BMS calls, and, uh, yeah, and I've been pretty much told to uh, stay away from those until those things kind of blown over. So it, it's kind of bad because I hear a pager go off, and I'm like, yeah, I can't go to that. And, uh, you know, it's tough because we're, we're a small town, and we don't have a lot of people writing those calls. And so I, I kind of miss doing that.
1: Are you having COVID up there?
3: Yeah, Are it's not. Have- a, I mean, we've had it. Yeah, we've got some, uh, some, there's some cases here and I think there's had, you know, there's been four or five deaths in the County up here. Um, but I don't know, it's supposedly related to COVID, but who knows? I mean, you hear so many different stories about they're They're calling everything COVID and, you know, so you don't know what to believe, but, you know, then there's been five deaths and they've got like, I think there's been, um, about a hundred cases reported or something like that, but it hasn't been much, but it, uh, Um, It may be a little bit more than that. I don't remember exact numbers, but it's 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 not as bad. North of us in Chicago is where the real problem is.
1: Oh my gosh. And they don't have testing. And what they did have was thirty percent wrong. It's crazy.
3: Yep. Well there's always there's always errors in any type of testing, but the big thing is is that the testing that they're doing, you can pretty much self test and you know, the problem that you run into with that is that you if you go to the hospital to get tested and you come yeah. out and you find out you're you're clear, no problem, you're, you're, you're showed negative to the COVID test. You can walk out of the lobby and pick up something as you're walking out, and now you're turning around positive before you go out the front door. Yeah. So that's why they've been pretty much telling people just to stay home and don't come in to get tested unless you hit all these and you're getting really severe because there's nothing they can do necessarily for you anyway. And uh, it's just a matter of just waiting and watching, and you know, paying attention to what's happening.
1: Well, and they've told us how to protect, you know, as much as we can with the the hand washing. Don't go out unless you have to. Um, you know, my husband has been essential through this whole thing because of the nature of our business. So he's worked every day, and. He's so careful about what he does when he comes home. And I really appreciate that. But it's still scary. I'm just glad that, that the, hopefully, I'm glad that they have ways to support, you know, patients now as opposed to when they got there and it was just like, oh my God, why on earth is this? (laughs) We don't know what to do. And so now they're seeing and establishing protocols so it's it's pretty good that they're at least developing
3: yeah. staff. It's kind of tough when it first came out because nobody really knew what was going on with it and, and what they needed to do. I think as as they're working through this, you know, they're becoming more and more conscientious on what's happening and uh and what they can do and what they can't do. And you I know, I mean I've got a lot of friends that are either, you know, nurses that are treating this or paramedics that are you know, taking people to hospital and things like that and i've been kind of in touch with them just asking them what they see and everything like that and you know and you know that's what the nurses and things like that have told me it's like you know everybody says oh it's just like the flu no it's not it's a lot more vicious and attacking them with the flu is and and people are just like blowing it off and not paying attention to it and that's just gonna be a mistake
1: well i think they were trying to tamp down terror when they first started talking about this and now yeah, you know, it's like those kids that went to the beaches for spring break because they're young and immortal and kind of stupid. But I was too at that age. I was a lot older than them. I, I was just convinced that nothing could happen, which was not correct. But, yeah, they found out. And a lot of them vape. And I just read today that vaping is related to the intensity of this. Because your lungs are already damaged by the vaping. So, because of the stuff in that. But you know, that's that's another page yet to turn on that, I think. So Yep,
3: yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens.
1: Yep. Yeah. But in the interim, I have somebody who has just put in chat that they um Where'd they go? Can you tell? A, we're fixing to go a break, but when we come back, can you tell us about the history behind that haunted R theater he owns? I haven't heard about it, and I told her where it was because she said she didn't know, and she lives close enough to me that we can be road trip buddies. So, when we come back, we will get into—if that's okay with you—get into the the R hotel. You good with that?
3: Sure, that's fine.
0: We can talk about that.
1: All right. We'll be right back, guys. Y'all come back, to. you right.
0: You are listening to WBHM. Digital broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live, live, live out of Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Oh come on. I'm Southern, but... Um, nope. That'll do. Hello, I am Kat Hobson, host of Paranormal Experience here on WBHN Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. I enjoy having guests from all areas of the paranormal, from ghosts, to ufology to cryptids and beyond you'll find some of the best researchers in their fields bringing you some great information join me on wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p eastern here on wbhm digital broadcasting
4: to the believer the evidence is overwhelming to the skeptic there will never be enough hello everyone join kevin and jennifer mallet the host of perversal universe Every Friday here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Also heard on WCETFM and The Rift. Log on or tune in as they check out the mysteries found within the eight categories of the unknown and unexplained, including ghosts and haunted places, aliens and UFOs, theology and mythology, cryptids and monsters, urban legends, and folklore, conspiracies, metaphysics, and forbidden archaeology. Listen as Kevin and Jennifer interview the top minds in their respective fields as they share theories and information regarding these unsolved mysteries. For future show and archive information, one can find Fairversal Universe on Facebook, Twitter, and MeWeek under various Paraversal Universe headings. So, for excellent talk radio about the unknown and unexplained, check out Paraversal Universe, where all paranormal perspectives apply. Brought to you by the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society, LTV, and produced by Wbhmdb.com.
1: Thank you for listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. The time is 23 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Paranormal Experienced with Kat Hobson. That's me. And tonight I have Robin Terry joining me. I am so excited about that. We have been working towards this goal for a little while now. So it's just great to have you here, Robin. Thank you. Well, thanks
3: for having me back. I appreciate the the chance to come back in and uh, avoid maybe some storms. Although it's kind of getting kind of eerie and dark out here now. So I'm not sure what's going on.
1: Well, is it like creepy dark?
3: Yeah, it's that gray colored darkness. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think we're supposed to have any storms really for a while. So I think we're probably safe.
1: Okay. Well, if you have to run for it, just let me know. And nah, that's not a problem. I
3: go okay. to the basement.
1: Us too. So, we had a question in chat about the haunted art theater. And this is someone who has never heard of it. She has heard you be on with me before, but we've really cover Ashmore more than anything else because I've been there and I love it. So, um would you mind educating her about your your theater?
3: Sure. It's uh the art theater is actually um in uh, auburn illinois which is about 15 to 20 miles south of springfield illinois about 100 miles north of st louis just off i 55 it's in a little town of auburn that's about 4,500 people it was built and started in 1946 and they finished it in 47 and it's just a kind of a small town family theater that originally opened up and they had 500 chairs in the building and and they actually sold out all their matinees and uh Viewings to everything, so they actually added 50 more to it, so there was 550 chairs total um, in the location. It was it was here for about 30 years, and uh, then some of the bigger multiplex theaters opened up, and so it kind of closed down because everybody wanted to go to those big, fancy ones, and didn't want to go to the small-town ones anymore. It got its name, uh, the R Theater, because it was owned by the Mitchell family, and their, all their first names started with an R. Uh, Ray, Reed, Raina Roberta, and Robert. Uh, they're all started with an R. So they just call it the R theater. So there's just one big R in the middle of the floor in the terrazzo flooring here in the theater that just has the letter R on it. So that's what, uh, that's what that was from. They ring and, uh, Ray was actually an insurance agent, just like myself. And he, uh, he kind of helped build the place and financed it all with his brother, Reed And Reed worked there most of the time. And they was kind of a strange duck from what I understand. I didn't know Reed. I did know Ray, but Reed was kind of peculiar. And, uh, and would do things like wander down to the bathrooms whenever people went down there because the best were in the basement. So they would wander down to the bathrooms just to see what, you know, to make sure that nobody was doing anything wrong down there. And he didn't care if it was the women's side or the men's side, he'd wander around and they, they built like a larger window up where the projection area was. So he could open it up and he could look out at people easier and see what they were doing in the theater, which was nobody's ever seen those type of windows in a, in a theater. You see the little projection holes that they had, but, he had a full-size window opening so he could look out, um, but then they you know, they operated for about 40 years, and uh, then they closed it down, and it was sold at that point to a guy by the name of Ray Landers, and he bought it, and he had it open for a little while, and then he actually ended up gutting it and uh, sold everything, and then the bank took the building back, and they had it for a while, and then they sold it to a guy by the name of John Reese. And he had it and had it running for a while. And he actually had bands in here and things like that. Like there was a, uh, a tribute band from the Grateful Dead in California that played here. And um, it was a big, I know, David Nelson. I've got cups up here. I forget what the name of the band was. But they are, they're a pretty large tribute band that uh, plays all over with uh, for, uh, Grateful Dead. But then they owned it. And then he actually lost it back to the bank as well. And then I was looking for another place for an office at one point and came across this place and it was just an old building and sat empty, it was empty for three and a half years and had the bank open it up for me and came in and there was no lights, no power in the building and I kind of looked around. So it, uh, it was kind of interesting. And I brought back a uh, large generator, some lighting and we went through and looked the place up so I could see what it looked like structurally and decided to go ahead and buy it and uh, turn our office into it. Well, then after we owned it for a few years, I decided that I'm here so much, we ought to just build a house. And so we built a house inside the theater and, um, and just, we just lived here. And, uh, that's, you know, so it's kind of cool when you, you know, you own this old building that you turn into a movie theater that or you bought a movie theater that you turn into your house as well as your office. And, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty good size, but we enjoy it. It's, uh, it's a little different living in a movie theater compared to just your typical house, but it works real well for us.
1: Well, the interior is beautiful from the photos that I've seen.
3: I think y'all did a great job with it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I uh, we actually built it ourselves. We didn't, I didn't hire anybody to do it. I just, I drew it all out, did the architecture work on it. Um, we did everything from all the electrical, the plumbing, the heating, the cooling, everything in it ourselves. And uh, and when we built the house and it was just, took us a couple of years because we just did it as we had time. But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of fun to do. And, you know, living in it, we've got tons of space. It's about 4,000 square foot. And it's just you know we don't even use the first floor. We just use the second floor.
1: That is so interesting. Well, is the is the theater part the downstairs?
3: Actually, the, the theater was the yeah the the whole building really. I mean, when we built the house, there was it was just one big building, and there was no second floor or anything. So we built a two story house inside of it. And uh, the, the, uh, the floor from the theater was sloped. And uh, so we had to rebuild. I had to build everything up on that and get everything so it leveled out. But, uh, but yeah, so the, you know, back when we did this, the, the the double doors were still here that used to lead into the theater. And I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? Um, because I didn't want these double doors. And by the time I, I brought my, my trusses, my floor trusses back, they were going to be about 12 to 13 inches too high. When you open these doors up, you got about a 12 inch step. So. So I decided, well, you know, if you're going to build a house inside a theater, you need a theater inside your house. So we build like a 31-chair theater room that when you open the double doors, you walk into this theater room, and there's a little stage there, and we walk up the stage, and you are now on the first floor of the house. Or you can walk up the stairs before you get in the double doors, which goes into the projection room, which goes into the second floor of the house.
1: Does it still have its window?
3: It actually never did have windows. I mean, the theaters the were always blacked window. out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Projection windows are still there. Yep. We've. Uh, I've kept those. <clears throat> I. Uh, and, I mean, you had to have those because they're more the historical side of things. Because it's. Uh, it's just kind of cool seeing these four little windows there and uh, explaining to people when they come through the building what those little four windows were all about.
1: Well, I just think that's such a a cool reason that he put those there. (laughs) I think that's pretty neat. And um, now the fun thing is, she says, oh, that's cool. Do they think it's haunted? Or have any strange things happened there? What do you think, Robbie? Robin?
3: Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, A little bit. Yeah, when we first bought it, and we were actually doing the building stuff here, it was like, you'd sit there and work in the building and I'd be the only one in the building and the motion sensor lights were going off and on at times. And like, there's nobody here. There's no animals in the building or anything. And then we started hearing voices with our own ears inside the building. And this was back in 99 yeah, uh, when this was all happening. And, uh, you know, so I thought it was kind of weird, but when I bought it, I had a couple friends of mine who were mediums that uh, told me, you know, this place is haunted, right? I'm like, yeah, right. He's like, no, it really is. And, and I really wasn't doing much with the paranormal stuff at that time. But uh, so I thought I'll just you know, I just kind of ran with it and went ahead and was like, OK, that's fine. And but as time went on, I had a group that came in and wanted to investigate one night. So I said, yeah, you guys can do it. Well, they came back and told me they didn't hear anything, they didn't get anything. You know, they were just it was pretty dead. But they said, we're going to go home and listen to our recorders again and all and just see what's going on. So they called me about a week later and said, can we come over and talk to you? And I was yeah, sure. You know, come on over. So they came over and brought a uh, laptop and they started playing stuff. And there was, they caught so many EVPs in the building that it was just incredible. And, and some of them were actually interacting. I and mean, so they are intelligent uh, spirits that were speaking to them. And it was just, it was crazy. So they kind of got me hooked on doing stuff. And we started, you know, investigating the building a little bit more. And it's been like a shooting deer in a barrel, so to speak, as far as getting EVPs in this building. But it was probably, I think about, five or six years ago, maybe a little longer than that. actually it's been longer than that because it was before I bought Ashmore. So it's been probably ten years ago. I went on an investigation with some friends out in Petersburg, Illinois. And while we were out there I found out that they were selling a lot of furniture at the uh, from this house. And so there's it was an old antique furniture. I'm really kinda of into that type of stuff. So I bought a bunch of furniture from these from this lady who was an attorney out of Chicago. And we got it home and one particular piece I I refinished it and got it all cleaned up. When I when I bought it, there was a TV in it. We took the TV out and left that there for and I brought the, the armoire home and refinished it, opened it up, cleaned the inside of it out, did all that, and took it upstairs. And when I got it upstairs, I tried to open the armoire up, and it was locked. And I couldn't get it unlocked. And it was unlocked when I had it downstairs when I bring it upstairs it's locked. So I'm thinking, okay, there's a little tiny deadbolt that locks this door. So I'm like, it had to be that the deadbolt must have slid open, and I it just, it's just locked. So I turned it upside down on its side, and I'm taking a small screwdriver trying to pry the deadbolt out because I don't have a key, it's a skeleton key, and tapping out of the rubber mallet trying to get the thing open, and it won't open. So I didn't pay much attention to it until probably about a year later, uh, some friends were doing an investigation. Actually, we call it newbie nights for people have never investigated before, and we were doing an investigation here. And we did a walk through the building. And after we get done walking through the location, we go back. And I've got 12, 12 headsets hooked up with power amplified micro, or power amplified uh, headsets. And so we can listen to the recording all at the same time. So we're doing that and trying to catch some EVPs and see what we can come up with. Well, three friends that are uh, psychic mediums and my wife decided to go ahead and wander back to the building while we're doing that. And it was probably an hour later that. I, I walked in I said hey I said we got to get going we got people we're gonna we need to go through there and start doing this and they're like okay we'll be out in a minute and uh, so they came out and I asked my wife I said why are you guys in there so long she's like I'll tell you later I said no really what was she like I'll just tell you later and uh, she was really short her answers and that's not like her no. so I thought okay so yeah I'm kind of like wanting to get this whole night over with because I want to find out what's going on so when we get done my wife told me she's like we just had a, a visitor in the building i'm like what do you mean you had a visitor in the building it's like well, we were in the theater and we had a visitor in the building by the name of john wayne gacy and i'm like what
1: <laughs> that's and not so a she, good thing
3: no that's not yeah, you know, that's not something that you normally want to have visit your house and um but i asked her I said, so how would that happen and she said well one of the mediums one of the psychic mediums, he's very good. Uh, he was coming through the building and, and in one area he said, he's like, you know, he's like, I'm seeing a lot of digging going on right now. And he's like, I'm not sure what it's all about, but there's digging happening here, and yeah, I don't know. And he asked what was underneath that. And I was like, well, this is the first floor, but down below this is the basement. That's where, that's where the basement is. He's like, okay, cause I'm seeing digging. And, uh, he said, then he said, I'm also seeing the Duke, like John Wayne from, you know, the old, the old actor, John Wayne, the actor. He said, I'm seeing the Duke. And he said, but I'm not sure why the Duke has anything to do with this digging. And then he said, I'm also, there's a, in one green, the room we have, we call it the green room. We have 45 records that are uh, mounted in the ceiling. And he said, I'm also the song by Cretus Clearwater, It Ain't Me, is just running through my head right now. He's like, it's just playing and playing and playing. And it ain't me. So they, he said, I'm not sure what it is. So they wandered upstairs and they're going through up to the second floor of the house. And he goes around by all the, you know, the different you know, stuff we have up there. And he comes over at one of the armoires and he said something about that. This one here, this, this armoire here has a lot of family uh, presence to it. And she, my, you know, my was like, yeah. And he's like, so is this, this was a relative here on this armoire. She said, yeah. I said so it was your grandmother. He said, "Yeah, she. That's what it was." And he's like, "All right, because I can feel her. Her energy is still attached to this armbar." So he comes to the other armoire we have upstairs, and he came over to that. And he's like, "Okay, this isn't owned by your family." And she's like, "No, it's like this is really. There's this is not good. Like this energy in this is just bad." He's like, "It's not something that uh, I that I like." He said, it's kind of taking my breath away. He said, "It's just not. It's not a good situation. A good vibe at all." And so. He's like, I don't even want to be around this thing. So they end up leaving, and they, they go into the basement, and you know, Damon said, well, I never went to the basement. I know you guys ran a haunted house here, which we had a commercial haunted house that we used to be And he said, and so he said, I'm seeing clowns in your basement. He said, but I'm just thinking that subconsciously I know that it's a haunted house, that there's clowns at a haunted house. So that's why I'm thinking there's – that's why I'm seeing He said, But I'm also seeing like a jail cell you know, the, a jail cell and the clowns in the basement with this jail cell. And so they get down there and we had one one area that we had built because we still had some of the attraction from the hard house up. We had one area that I built that made it look like a jail cell because I had a 50,000-volt uh, Jacob's Ladder that we used to have back there. And I didn't want anybody to touch it. So we had this little jail cell set up with this Jacob's Ladder in it. And he said, okay, there's the jail cell. He said, that's obviously what, the, what, you know, what I was saying. And he said, they walked in the basement and they came around the corner. He's like, okay, there's all the clowns. That's where I thought you probably had clowns. He said, but I'm still seeing digging and clowns digging and it's down here. So they go upstairs in this theater room that we built and they're sitting up in the theater room. And while they're sitting there, you know, they're trying to put this whole thing together. It's like, what does John Wayne, you know, the Duke and the jail and the digging, what's this all have to do with anything? Well, and I guess Patty, one of the other psychic mediums, Norma was sitting on the floor Towards the back of the room and she said norma i don't want to alarm you but john wayne gacy is standing right behind you and norma's like okay it's like he's not going to hurt you he's here to talk to us and it's like and he's shackled and i'm not going to tell you what's around his legs and and she to this day she never has told us but you know so we uh so they're like all right and so they they said that he basically wanted them to help him cross over which they they tried to do. They actually picked up a spirit box. They actually contacted Chris Moon and talked to Christopher Moon a little bit about some stuff and used one of my Frank's boxes and all to do something with it. And so he was, he encountered in the building. And so they told me about that when they got done. It, it, the story really gets even more in depth because uh, I was down in San Antonio, Texas. And I was telling Brad Kling. I was having dinner with Brad Kling down there from you know the Brad Barry Kling and Kling brothers mm-hmm. that had Ghost Lab years ago on TV. And I was telling him the story, and he was doing a documentary series called Strange Curiosity, which was more about how could stuff like this happen versus just a paranormal investigation.
4: Right. So
3: he decided to come up and and do it, and uh, he came up and and did it. Was did a whole documentary on the on the place, and then. Yeah, that he was working on. Well, he was getting ready to leave. I think it was on a Thursday and we'd gone out and done a, uh, uh, spoke at a class on Wednesday night about paranormal. And on Thursday, you know, and when he got back Wednesday night, they were going to do a quick little investigation in the place just to put it on there, just to work it into the uh, documentary. And he said, you know, I'm too tired. He's like, let's just do this tomorrow morning. And he said, so I'll just get up. We'll do it before we leave because we got to drive back to Cincinnati or back to uh, San Antonio and uh, we'll just get it in, get it done, get it out of here in like an hour. I'm like, okay. So they got up and they're working on stuff. They're doing it, and they had so much activity that they did that morning that they were here for about four hours doing investigations. In fact, wow. He was downstairs. Yeah, it was it was crazy because he was downstairs in the basement at one point that they had a voice that came through and said, "Go upstairs, Brad." I mean, you could hear it as plain as day, and. It was just it was it was pretty creepy and some of the other stuff they had. And if you go to Amazon, if you if you're on Amazon Prime, you can go in and you can see the episode. It's under Amazon Prime, uh, Strange Curiosity, uh, Diamond Brothers Production, I think. And just it's called Killer Coincidence, and it's all about the theater. And uh, you'll see a lot of footage that they shot inside the theater and what happened with the whole situation. So we kind of thought everything was done about that time. You know, when they did that, they came in because things were pretty quiet until about two years later. I had a uh, we were doing a uh, we had the paranormal unity day, as I call it, in February that we do like the the Saturday before Super Bowl. And I had a friend of mine um, that was here speaking. And he he's also a medium, a psychic medium. And, and he came up in the first and he's on the first floor. He came in his restroom. And just before we went to lunch, he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. I said, all right. He's like, I got to tell you about somebody I saw in your house. I'm like, okay. And he's like, but I don't know how to tell you this. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, it's kind of creepy. I'm just not sure how to tell, explain who I think I, who I saw. And I said, well, just tell me who you saw. He said, well, it was a serial killer. I'm like, okay, who did you see? And he's like, it was John Wayne Gacy. And I'm like, oh, he's back. And, and Tony's like, what? <laughs> And he said, "Yeah, he's back." He's like, "What do you mean he's back?" And I said, "Well, we've had encounters with him here before." And so we, uh, he said, "Let me take me upstairs after you know when we break for lunch. Take me upstairs and let me wander around." So I said, "All right." So we went upstairs, and he said, "Don't tell me anything about anything up here." I'm like, "Okay." And uh, so he's wandering around. <clears throat> excuse me, and he came over by the first armoire. And he said, like, yeah, he's like, this is this, this, not this. There's nothing attached to this at all. He's like, there's a, nothing negative at all. He's like, I could feel a family member type situation, but that's about it. And so then he came over to the other one, and he said, uh, yep, this is it. He said, there's a lot of dark energy to this. He's like, and he's protecting paintings. And I said, what? He said, he's protecting paintings. I said, what do you mean he's protecting paintings? He said, it's John Wayne Gacy, and he did some paintings, and they were kept in this armoire. I said that armour was empty when I bought it. He's like, he said, yeah, but he still thinks they're there. And and the strange thing about it is that on the episode that, that Brad and Barry did, that's not on there. There's nothing on that episode about paintings. I found out about it after they shot the episode and actually had the episode aired, and it was out there that the the attorney that I that I bought these, this from, the attorney that represented John Wayne Gacy, it was her armour. And she stored paintings that John Wayne Gacy did while he was in prison for her. She stored those paintings in that armoire, and he was—that's what I was told—that he was protecting. He didn't want anything to happen to those paintings because they were kept in that armoire, and and that's what the—that's why he was still attached to it, and that's why the, the armoire was locked. So it was—it's uh, the whole thing kind of strange. Mysteriously
1: locked. That is so cool.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Well, and then the following year after that he was here, I had another psychic meeting he came up here and, and she came upstairs and she was wandering around the armoire and she's like, she could see, she's like, I, I, she's like, this is really gross. She said, but I'm seeing body parts. I'm like, okay. And she's like, I said, that's kind of weird. like, yeah, but the, the drawers are like, they're full of body parts and there's body parts to everything here and all. And so we were talking and her husband's up there and she's like, I can't figure out who it is, but there's body parts attached to this. And I said, all right. And uh, so she had. Then I said, "She's like, so who do you think it is?" I said, "It's John Wayne Gacy." And she's like, "Oh my god!" And she pointed her husband's like, "He was at the execution," and it's like "He was there when oh, they put yeah, the needle man. in his arm." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just weird. It keeps getting the story with this whole thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger with the people that we've had here that have had, you know, situations that came about with that. So we're doing the thing in June. Here with uh, we've got Richard Estep, who Richard came out and just recently wrote a uh, release that the book called Gacy's Ghost: Hunting the Spirit of a Serial Killer, um, and Brad Kling did the forward for him. But it's a uh, it's a book that he did that uh, um, it's it's pretty interesting with uh, the the whole the encountering uh, the encounter of uh, of John Wayne Gacy here and, and the the uh, investigation that they did because some of the investigation that they did was was crazy with what they came up with and the stuff that they that happened to them why they were here. So fact um, uh, they wanted to spend the night a couple nights there. they never did spend the night. They left by midnight every night that they were here. they were going to stay the night and fact, like, they were disappointed originally because they said we really don't do investigations late at night, you can do it if you want to, but we normally don't and they like, well, that's right. So we'll probably sit like three or four in the morning, maybe one or two nights or something like that. And All right. And they never did. They had so much stuff going on earlier in the evening and everything that uh, they said, that's it. We're just, we're cutting off about midnight because we're tired and we've got so much stuff that's happening anyway. We don't need to stay later.
1: You know, there are so many coincidences that that really aren't because I don't believe in coincidence but it's just fascinating to me that this has been such an ongoing thing. And the experiences just continue to validate what blows my mind is the guy that popped the needle in his arm was in the theater. I did yeah, not he know didn't know that.
3: Actually,
1: he, oh, I thought that's yeah, what you said. For, I misunderstood you.
3: No, he was, he was there when they did it. He was, oh, when he, they was did uh, it. he was, he was, yeah, he was one of the prison guards. But he uh, he wasn't the one that actually put it in, but he was a prison guard um when they did that, and he was actually standing in there at the execution when they did the whole thing and it's, but yeah so it's been it's it's been strange
1: it is strange, it's crazy and fascinating and Denise Pridemore is gonna have Richard on with her on may fourth, so that's gonna be fun. I am just um, so amazed about the 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 pictures that he drew, because we had talked about that before, what ultimately happened to those
3: well th- the three pictures that she had I actually held those in my hands i had i was i had, I made her an offer to buy them, and she was going to sell them to me, but then I guess she realized that she could not sell them because she was not allowed to profit off of his death. And uh, um, off of the killing, he did, so she could sell to me. She actually, the three paintings that he did that he gave her, she gave to one of the victims' families. And so I'm not sure, you know, they may have burned them, they may have sold them. I don't know what they did with them. But she gave them to the family, and then they could do with them what they wanted. Is what she ended up ultimately doing. But you know, we find things all the time that are even strange with this. I mean, he lived in Springfield, Illinois, which is 15 or 20 minutes away from where we're at. And he lived there for a few years, and he worked there and all. And uh, the strange thing that he lived there—I mean, there's there's probably a thousand streets in Springfield, but he lived on a street called Normandy Road. And well, my wife's name is Norma; her dad's name is Norman. And he lived on Normandy Road in Springfield, <laughs> it's, uh, which is yeah. He can live in any place, but to live on the same road that my wife and her dad's name is is kind of kind of strange too.
1: Well, I think so too, and. Sherry wants to know what Norma thinks of living in a house
3: with Gacy's ghost. Norma always had this bubble that she's kind of put around her and, uh, and it doesn't bother her. She's uh, because there's times that I may be gone for four or five days and she's here by herself and it doesn't, that doesn't bother her. What kind of, what freaks her out more than anything is seeing like the ghost cat that walks through the building every once in a while. We had a cat that, she had that I put to sleep, and we have a you know, we have a ghost cat that wanders through the building. And and actually, I think I saw it last night too because I thought she has two cats, and I thought I saw one of the cats walk by, and the other cat following it. And I looked up, and I'm like, no, it's still sitting on the chair over there. So, mm-hmm. it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we have, we have a ghost cat that wanders through the place.
1: Yeah, we mine does not come in. My cat was an indoor/outdoor cat, and she liked outside more than in. So she's outside, and that's just kind of weird sometimes. I do have a ghost dog. I've seen my dog in here. So, And it's really weird because she was a solid white dog, and when I see her, she's gray. I'm like, that's odd. Why wouldn't she just be white? (laughs) I guess the whole transparency thing, I don't know. But I think that I think that it's cool when you have animals that are still you know because that connection is so good in fact, when she was when she became um to the point that she couldn't walk couldn't get up, I would hear my dog that had passed before her um I would hear his dog tags, and mm. it was weird because all three dogs that we still had. we sitting in the dining room. I was in the kitchen doing stuff, and I heard dog tags in the foyer on my right because it's a pass-through kitchen. So I looked over there, and there was nothing there, and I looked back at the dogs, and they're like, wasn't us, but we heard it too. You know, they were very <laughs> attentive, and I've never seen him, but I, <clears throat> I do hear his tags every so often. Usually if there's something that he thinks needs to be addressed, I think. Because he was the alpha. And his name was Max. He was definitely the maximum dog. I think it's cool when they love you and they show back up like like yours do.
3: Oh, yeah. Yep, they'll be around at times.
1: Yeah. You know, when, um, when we first met, and I put in the promo that I appreciate how much or I can't even say how much I appreciate, you know, Christopher and Rachel and Philip, kind of helping make that connection between us. And I wouldn't have had the nerve to come over and say, hey, will you do a live feed with me and all this other stuff if if it hadn't been for Christopher. And then he showed up and did the whole live feed. It was awesome. But <laughs> he was so much fun. But I am so glad that we met. Because you're very interesting. You're very um, supportive of so many, so many people. And you have, you've done so much for so many people that I think a lot of you. And, oh, thanks. and I think the fact that you made this your home, you know, doing it yourself, Is pretty cool, especially since you had no idea it was haunted when you started that. Did you have any experiences at all while you were building?
3: Um, We heard some voices every once in a while, and we didn't think anything really of it. Um, When we actually, in fact, one of my friends and I were sitting downstairs one night, probably one of the the cooler experiences we had downstairs. We were in the basement. We were just building. We built the haunted house, and we always put, like, curtains up. And like uh, shredded curtains up between some of the rooms, and we were sitting here talking, and the the shreds opened up like somebody put their hands in there, spread them out, and walked through. And uh, I said, "You see that?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "That's oh, not cool." It's like, I'm not gonna say what he said, but he's like, "No, that wasn't cool." This is kind of like summarizing. And he's <laughs> like, "No, that wasn't cool at all." But, the, but I thought it was pretty cool because there's no breeze there's no wind down in our basement there's no windows in there but uh but yeah so i mean we've had all kinds of strange encounters like that you know in the basement and up on the second floor and first floor you know, pretty much throughout the building and uh but there's nothing that bothers me i mean it's, uh you know i've heard i've heard people yell help before and i thought it was norma yelling for me because she went to a store and came back and I walked down like nope, there's nobody here but um the EDPs that we catch here, we get a lot of class A EVPs that are just crystal clear. I mean, it's it's amazing how clear they are. Um, I've even had some that people listen to that say they can't hear it. And I told them, well, this is what it is. And they think that's just people talking. They're like, I had no idea that was it. I was like, I thought that was just somebody talking down there. And I'm like, no, nope, that's that's it. That They weren't saying that. It's just a voice that they picked up.
1: That is cool. I love getting the ones that you just are like. There's just somebody standing here talking to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, where is that person? So I, I get to, the first, the very first time I was ever a lead investigator on a case, I had one, and I was thrilled, thrilled, like goofy thrilled, because it was the clearest I'd ever gotten, and really. You know, on point. I was trying to learn how to operate a new, you know, digital camera, and I just gotten it and started. You know, it's about to hit record, and the voice said, it was a man. There were no men there. The man said, "So, are we recording now?" <laughs> and, I was, and I thought that I had messed up my my voice recorder. Um, and that's why it started, because I was trying to make sure I didn't erase anything. Yeah, you know, I was just going to get to the end and start over. And so when I played it, trying to get to the end, it was very loud, very clear, very male. And the other three women with me all just turned around and looked at me because they were over in the corner smoking and I don't. So it was, um, it was a trip. And I still have it, <laughs> I even still have the recorder it's on, so that was exciting, so I bet those people just get thrilled beyond belief when they get an opportunity to to hear those
3: oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's why we do it here we We do the e v p sessions and then we go back to listen we we take the twelve sets of headphones that I've got. And everybody listens to the same thing. And it's kind of cool because I started sitting at, like, the end of the table. I have people sitting across from each other. That way I can kind of watch their reaction when I hear something and then just kind of watch their eyes light up. And they're like, wow, what was that? And uh, But, yeah, that's what makes it kind of interesting, just getting their first reaction.
1: Ah, that is cool. Don't you get excited? Do you ever have new people, like people that have never done this before, that you got a chance to watch do that?
3: That's usually what we were doing. when We did like the, as I call newbie nights. That's what I usually end up with is people that have never investigated before, and I always tell them like you know because they come in and they watch TV and they're like well I don't really want to do this in the dark. I'm like I'm not gonna do it in the dark. I leave the lights on. And they're like what? And I'm like yeah we leave the lights on. And I said you know if their spirits there they're gonna talk to you with the lights on, lights off, it doesn't make any difference. And so they're like really? I'm like yeah. I said we'll leave them on. I swear to you. So they'll come in and we leave the lights on and wander around. It makes them feel that much more comfortable. And we get all kinds of stuff. So I now if you guys want to go back and turn the lights off, you can try it later, you know, yourselves. But we leave the lights on when we do the investigations. And I think that makes a big difference, um, you know, with things.
1: I like it better in the day, you know, with lights on, because one, if there's going to be activity, you can see it. You know, the, I was talking with some of the guys who started these shows, and the whole thing is that, I said, why do you use night vision? You can see so much better if you leave the lights on. They said, well, it was the creep factor. I was like, gotcha. So, yeah. The lighting looks cool and it it makes people go, ooh. So, that's why they do that.
3: Yeah, that's a lot of. Yeah, they'll just leave the lights off. We never do. In fact, Ashmore. When people investigate Ashmore, I try to tell them, like, it's like, it's, it's as much active during the day as it is at night. And it might be even, even more so during the day. So you need to come out and check it out during the day because that's when it's active. And uh, yeah, but it always happens at night. I'm like, All right, you guys can do what you want. I'm just telling you, this is my experience out here is during the day. It's not at night.
1: Not that you would know anything about that, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we are going to be heading out to our next break. And, you know, thank y'all so much for being here. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. This is going to be a lengthy little break. So this is a good time to stretch your legs. It's um, news. And hopefully, heaven knows we need some good news, right? I said I'm... Um, Monday. That if there was ever a time this country actually needed their four twenty break, it's now. <laughs> I don't know who I was imbibing, but I wouldn't blame anybody. If one, of, if I've been at a concert and one passed by me, I might have considered it. So anyway, we will be back. Maybe there's something great, good. I'll even take nobody screaming. So catch us on the flip side of this. We'll be right back.
5: Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. President Donald Trump is taking aim at a published report in which the director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is quoted as saying a second wave of coronavirus in the fall could be worse than the current situation. The Washington Post report detailed a comment made by CDC Director Dober- Dr. Robert Redfield over Trump said Redfield was, in his words, totally misquoted.
3: I do want to mention... Uh man who's done a very good job for us, Dr. Robert Redfield, was totally misquoted in the media on a statement about the fall season and the virus. Totally misquoted. I spoke to him. He said it was ridiculous. He was talking about the flu and Corona coming together at the same time.
5: Redfield said he was not inaccurately quoted, though he said he did not say the situation would be worse, only potentially more difficult to deal with. Trump says a number of states are ready to reopen their economies, though he also said Georgia might be moving too quickly on that front. The top official in charge of the government agency that develops vaccines says he was forced out of his post by the Trump administration. NPR's Brian Naylor reports Dr. Rick Bright says he was removed from his position because he pushed back against the use of an anti-malarial drug touted by the president to treat COVID-19. Wright was director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. In a statement, he says he was involuntarily transferred from that post to a lower level job at the National Institutes of Health. He says he had insisted that the government invest the billions of dollars allocated by Congress to address the coronavirus pandemic into safe and scientifically vetted solutions and not in drugs and other technologies that lack scientific merit. That's an apparent reference to two anti-malarial drugs that Trump has said should be used to treat COVID-19. Bright says he's speaking out because, in his words, to combat this deadly virus, science, not politics or cronyism, has to lead the way. Brian Naylor, NPR News. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says China is taking advantage of the coronavirus outbreak. More from NPR's Michelle Kellerman.
1: Secretary Pompeo accuses the Chinese Communist Party of failing to report the outbreak of the new coronavirus in a timely fashion to the World Health Organization. He's urging the WHO now to force China to be more transparent. He's also raising concerns about arrests in Hong Kong and other steps that he says China is taking to exploit the current health crisis.
3: You've also seen that the Chinese Communist Party is exerting military pressure on Taiwan and coercing its neighbors in the South China Sea even going so far as to sink a Vietnamese fishing vessel.
1: He says he's talking to his counterparts in the region about that. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, Washington.
5: You're listening to NPR. Tyson Foods has announced it will suspend operations indefinitely at a large Iowa pork processing plant that's been linked to a growing cluster of coronavirus cases. The company says it's closing the Waterloo, Iowa processing plant and it will be a blow to hog farmers, though it is likely to also cause disruptions to the pork supply. Tyson had kept the plan open in recent days over the objections of the mayor and other local officials there. It employs about 3,000 workers. Major League Baseball is suspending former Boston Red Sox manager Alex Corrit and another team employee and has taken away a draft pick that follows an investigation into alleged illegal sign-stealing during Boston's 2018 championship season. As NPR's Tom Goldman reports, MLB released the finding of its investigation today.
0: Earlier this year, the Houston Astros became pariahs for their illegal sign-stealing scheme in 2017. But while the Astros committed a baseball felony, Boston appears to be guilty of a misdemeanor. Commissioner Rob Manfred says Red Sox video replay system operator J.T. Watkins was the main culprit. But Manfred says, unlike the Astros players who communicated to their batter in real time what pitch was coming, remember the trash cans, Watkins' conduct was far more limited in scope and impact. Still, he was suspended for the 2020 season, as was former Boston manager Alex Cora. The sanction against Cora was for his role in the Astros scandal when he was a Houston coach. Tom Goldman, NPR News.
5: On Wall Street, the Dow was up 456 points today. The Nasdaq rose 230 points. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News.
2: You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Welcome back to WBHM Digital Broadcasting. It is five minutes after the hour, and we are so pleased that you're here with us tonight. We are having a great conversation. I am Kat Hobson. I am your host of Paranormal Experienced. And I'm joined tonight by my friend Robin Terry, who I think is one of the best humans on the planet. And you know what? I'm pretty sure of it. So I'm glad to have him here. We have two chats open right now. The Spreaker chat's pretty active. The WBHM-DB.com chat is sitting out there too. And if you have any questions for Robin... You're welcome to post them in either chat. He will see them, or he'll hear them. He'll see them in one, and he'll hear them from the other from me. But this has been a great first hour. You've got to go back. If you missed any of the first hour, no fears. We are everywhere you want to be. We're on iHeartRadio. We are on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We are on Spotify. We're on CastBox, we're on YouTube, we're everywhere. And you can just go and catch up with us. So, Robin, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here.
0: Well,
3: oh, thanks for having me again tonight. I appreciate it. We can, we've can got through the first hour, so that's a good <laughs> part.
1: Hey, it is all good. So, And we got to let Sherry know, you know, sherry is somebody that i think if she had time and the inclination would be a great radio host a great interviewer because anything that i've got written down to ask she always puts in chat before i ever get there and she's curious and she's vivacious and she's really really interested in the paranormal she investigates a lot so she loves learning too and so does everyone else but she just kind of Pops right out there with questions, and I love that. So thanks, Sherry. You're definitely a, a great, great person to have in a chat room. And I love you, because we know each other. So, you know, she is... She actually said that she, um, she'd rather do hunts with the lights on, too. If the spirits are there, they'll talk no matter what. So, she's right. She wanted to know because... I don't know. Why do you have the original Mystery Machine, and how did that come about? And what led you to it?
3: That's a uh, that was kind of a, a an interesting morning. I've uh, I got a friend of mine who was really into the uh, Velma and Daphne and that type of stuff, and and so we were talking, and she's mm-hmm. like, "I have a a sixty one Corvair van," and she's like, "You should paint it look like the Mystery Machine." I'm like, the mystery machine was not a window van. I'm not painting my van look like a mystery machine. And uh, she said, Well, then paint your, paint, paint your bus. I'm like, No, it's even worse. I'm not painting my bus. And so I was looking around one time on eBay. She was bugging me all the time. So I was looking for a die cast uh, car mystery machine. I couldn't find any large ones. I could find all the little ones, but I couldn't find large ones. So I finally thought, Well, I'll just kind of Google it at the highest price one and see what's there. And so I did. And this, the picture came up is the mystery machine. And I started looking at it. And I'm like, Oh, that looks kind of cool. And uh, so I started paying attention to it and looking at it. And, and I kind of play with old cars anyway, cause that's my, that's my business. And so I looked at it and I like, you yeah, know, this is, this is pretty cool. And you know, the guy didn't want a lot of money for it. And so I, I went and looked at the thing and I'm like, I said, you know, it doesn't even say if it runs. I mean, the listing was pathetic, and uh, so I, I sent the guy a message. I said, hey, can I can I give you a call? I'm going to talk to you about this. And he said, yeah. he said, just call me tomorrow morning and at this time, at this number. I'm like, all right. Well, I was on call with the ambulance that, the next morning. And uh, naturally, we get a call out. And so I ended up getting back to the office about an hour later than I than I was supposed to call him. So I, I'm going to call him anyway. So I called him, and we were on the phone. And I told him what I was doing. And he said, uh, as we were talking about it, I was asking him questions. And he said, He's like, oh, did you decide to buy it? I'm like, well, I haven't decided yet, but I'm kind of leaning that way. He's like, oh, because he said, somebody just hit to buy it now on eBay. And I'm like, no, I said, it ended last night. He's like, well, I restarted. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no. He said, but he's like, I don't know if it's legit or not. And I said, well, I kind of wanted to buy it. And he said, like, well, what are you going to do with it? And I told him, I said, I want to do, I said, I do paranormal investigations. And I said, it'd be kind of cool to have it for that at times. And I said I also do things to help uh, charities, and we did a lot of stuff at Saint Jude Children's Research Hospital at the time. And I said so I do a lot of stuff to help children charities. And I said so I'm going to use it for that. And he said, well, I'd rather sell it to you than sell it to this person. And he said, but I don't know how to get out of their bid. I said, oh well, here, click here, click here. And I was telling him walking through how to cancel somebody's bid <laughs> on eBay. <laughs> so he said, now you're going to buy this, right? And I said, yeah, I'm going to buy it. So. So actually, right before that, my wife had walked in. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, just looking at a band. And she's like, oh, that's kind of cool. The mission machine. I said, yeah. I said, it's it's owned by Hanna-Barbera Studios. Too. So so she's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So we ended up buying it. And I, when I talked talking to the guy, I asked him, I said, so you're telling me this was owned by the studio? And he bought it from Volo Car Museum out of Chicago that sells a lot of uh, – a lot of nostalgia type vehicles and just old vehicles and things like that. But, um, he had the paperwork where the, the studio owned it. They used to, they, all the stuff they had The shows that they worked on it out there. And, um, and then when I got it, it had some dashbacks from George Barris, uh, out of, out of uh, California. And, and for those that aren't familiar with the name, George Barris, George did the, uh, Ecto one, uh, w Hillbilly's car, um, just about any iconic car that was back at that time. The Batmobile was the one that probably the most expensive one he ever did. Oh, wow. um, the Batmobile and all. So he did all these cars. Well, it was wrecked out in Hollywood, and they took it to his shop and had him work on it. So, which was which was kind of cool to know that it was in his shop anyway. So, so we've got it, and I bought it, had it shipped over here, and uh, you know we just we've just taken it out. We we're doing stuff with. Uh, um, the uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, and then we—I kind of switched gears and started working with Mike Couch on things, and it did everything with uh, Lost Limbs Foundation now. So uh, it helps amputee children. So that's what we—that's what we do with it. And I take it around to different events and do some things to try to raise money to help help children charities.
1: I think that's fantastic, and I think it's amazing that you actually found the original mystery machine. I mean. That is one of the coolest stories that I've ever heard. The fact that you drive it is even cooler.
3: Yeah, we've had some people that say, well, it's not the original because it was a cartoon. Well, it was the original (laughs) one that, that you know, the Canada Brothers Studios owned. It's as real as it gets because I agree. It was a cartoon and, you know, you can't buy, you can't drive a cartoon band to, you know, to an event. So, but yeah, this is what they did. They had it, they used it for promotional events for the, uh, for the show. And, and that's all they did with it. And that's what we've been doing And Actually, I just got it back. We had, uh had new interior put into it because the interior was getting just really bad. Um, that was there. It was just kind of old. And also we had a, uh, had a guy put new, uh, new leather interior throughout the band and did that for me. But, yeah, you know, the iconic part is the outside. And, uh, so we're going to keep that pretty much the same, touch up some spots and, uh, and just let it go like that.
1: Well, you know that's Hollywood magic. That that is the real cartoon mystery machine fan. I mean, Hollywood can make anything <laughs> make anything look real. Just kidding.
3: Oh, yep, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I am. I get so tickled when you know, we have friends that do Hollywood things and. When you hear the actual, what really happened and how it got the result that you saw, is I'm always fascinated by that. I think film filming is fascinating. And, you know, the stuff that the booths put out, I don't do horror movies. I am, I'm not scared. I'm an empath and I'm a sensitive and they drive me crazy. I, I just can't. And I have friends that are monsters in movies. (laughs) And I'm just like, nope, not watching those either. I'm sure you're very good at your work, but thank you. So I am just always so impressed. I have, because Christopher told me that I needed to watch, um, I believe it was Soul Catchers. And I could watch some of that, but their work is so good. The videography is amazing. The Kling Brothers are amazing. Um. And the shows that I'm watching now, and I was on one recently, but the, the cameras are, the filming, the cameras are just astounding with what, the, what clarity they have. It's just like, and I've noticed in the last year or two that that's been a difference. So technology is wonderful.
3: Yeah, the four K cameras really work nice. In fact, yeah. we—I uh, did some uh, stuff with the Booth Brothers out at Saint Albans, and I had a drone that has a four K camera, and and they actually used some of my footage that I shot out there on uh, the newest one that they're working on.
1: Well, I was, I was up there two years ago before I fell, and they were filming for this project then too, and it's just. It's amazing. They do such good work that it just flips my mind. I did not know that you could do that drone. Do you have to be FAA cleared to do what you do?
3: You have to if you're selling footage and doing stuff commercially, but I'm not. I just do it for myself.
1: Cool. Well, I know that the picture that I used on the image that's going to be on the cover of this is a view outside Ashmore. I'm pretty sure Christopher took it, but it's the, um, Ashmore is beautiful and it's a foggy morning it looks like and you're outside with your I guess you might have been out there with your drone. I'm not sure what you were doing, but that's a beautiful photo of you.
3: I have to look at it.
1: But But it's uh, black and white, so it'll stand out. But,
3: although that was actually on top of the building i think when you're talking about if it's if it's me standing at like the end of the building looking down
1: no you're um you're actually on the ground it may have been superimposed on the original picture but you're actually on the ground where it looks like it now i'm gonna is have it, to go look right it, quick
3: <laughs> am, I in the, am i in the distance on that photo
1: you are in the forefront
3: Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure because if, if, it's, if, it's if it's a black and white one because I don't know if I actually had Christopher taking a picture of me but the one that I'm thinking about if it's, which is, I think it might be what you're talking about is this, the day that I was contemplating buying Ashmore Estates and a friend of mine shot that. It looks like I'm standing on a rock road and it's not. It's actually the roof that had blown off of Ashmore Estates.
1: Really? Oh, wow. Yep, that's
3: the... Uh, If that happens to be the picture, anyway, that I'm thinking of.
1: Well, that is just way too cool.
3: Yeah, Uh, in fact, the the girl that shot that uh, calls it contemplation because I was standing on there, uh, Mm -hmm. up there, looking and thinking, and uh, looking at a couple things and looking up some stuff to uh, to decide if I wanted to buy the building or not.
1: When did you buy that?
3: Um, Actually, it was May third of 2014.
1: Wow. And it has really done a lot of good for a lot of people. Did you anticipate that? Yeah, it was like,
3: yeah. Um, no, actually, that all kind of came about because of the haunted house thing that we had here. The guy that, that owned it, he'd called me one day and was understood that I had a bunch of props for sale, and I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, I'd like to look at them. So he, uh, he came over to take a look at everything, and um, picked out a bunch of stuff and while we were talking and I said so what are you going to do and uh, he said well he said I'm, I'm going to build a haunted house in, in Indiana and I said oh okay and uh, so I mentioned to him I said that's cool he said well he said I have one now he said but I'm going to sell it I said which one do you have now and he said Ashmore State and I'm like oh I said what do you do with the place and he's like well we're just going to sell it and because uh, I'm not going to do a haunted house anymore so I, I asked him I said you know I'd love to come over and take a look at it I said I might be interested so we flew over there on a uh, the month before in April. I think it was Easter, uh, the the Saturday before Easter, and walked in, looked around the place and everything, and you'd had to see this place. It was most people in their right mind would have never even thought about buying, it. <laughs> and uh, because it was in such poor condition, uh, the building itself, inside looked like somebody came through and vandalized it, and uh, over and over and over at times, and. But I walked out and I thought, you know, there was something about the building. In fact, like I always tell people that when I was on the second floor of the location that day, there was almost like there were people asking me to help their building. Not so much helping oh. them, but helping their building. And so decided to go ahead and do it because I, I live two hours away from there, so it's not like it's really close to me. And so I decided to buy it and did and just, uh, just, you know, cleaned it up and started doing all the work on it.
1: That is so neat. Well, we're about to have to take a break, believe it or not, but we will be right back after this, and y'all come back too.
0: You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama.
2: Several U.S. presidents are on record talking about the UFO
3: mystery. Yeah, presidents Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, both had UFO sightings of their own, but the current presidential campaign might be the first in which UFO disclosure has been championed by a major party candidate.
0: DIA, CIA, it moves around, is operating a program to train psychic spies to spy and use their powers against Russia. John Ronson writes about this in The Men Who Stare at Ghosts.
5: The first known sighting of a ghost took place right after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated uh, in the late 1860s during the administration of Ulysses Grant.
0: Project Paperclip, Clinton releases it all in 1998.
2: possibly the unequal cooling of its surface. I say, do you still think it's a meteor, Professor? I don't
4: know what to think. The uh, metal casing is definitely
5: extraterrestrial.
0: It's a place where UFO hunters and scientists gather to examine paranormal activity in the region. of the documents this is bringing nazi scientists into the united states to work here so we fought against the nazis and it's not this again is not a revelation as early as 1947 1946 we knew some of this right on the paranormal, will we see U.S. President Barack Obama's foreign policy go intergalactic in a quest for gold stolen by aliens? We'll tell you at least how the White House responded to claims the chief executive has been teleporting to Mars. But let's get to today's Capital Account.
2: UFOs. Hauntings. psychic abilities
4: conspiracy, ESP, cryptozoology, there are many things that remain unexplained in the inexplicable world around us, and we're talking about them here, looking for answers on WBHM Digital Broadcasting, Birmingham, Alabama. The truth is
1: out there. Thank you for listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. The time is 23 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Paranormal Experienced. I'm Kat Hobson, your host with my guest, Robin Terry. And we have been having some fantastic conversations all the way through the show. And they're fascinating and kind of fun. So, we have a question um, in the speaker chat about Ashmore, but before we get to that, when people, when I tell people that you're a very kind and nice person and that you care about people, they don't always know, you know, where that comes from because they they actually may not know you or your history at all or whatever. But you don't just you don't just do things for you. You do things for other people too to help people that that need that. And kind of you walk the motto that I try to live by too, which is, you know, be the change you want to see. And helping those whose life isn't always great. So you did that with Mike couch and the lost limbs foundation and you had said that you people want to know how to do that themselves and things of that nature. Would you like to discuss that or just, just tell us about it?
3: Sure. Yeah, I'm glad to, we, uh, I talked to Mike before and, and I've always, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll be 64 this year and later this year. And, uh, I had some heart problems, and you know, I wanted to make sure that I was able to do something to help help the charity out down the road, so I, I talked to Mike one day, and I said something to him because uh, about trying to come up with an idea, and prior to that, Gail Sanchez called me that used to own Rhodes Hotel, and she told me, she said, hey, I'm looking to buy or sell in Rhodes Hotel if you know anybody's interested, and I'm like, yeah, I've got my plate full. Yeah, I, I can't do that, so uh, she said, well, if you know anybody else who's interested, so I kind of kicked it around about a month or so. And I talked to Gail again. I say, I said, would you be interested in selling me that basically to be selling it to Lost Limbs Foundation? And she's like, Mike hasn't even talked to me about it. I said, well, I haven't talked to Mike yet about it. And uh, I said, so, but if you're interested, I said, I'm going to talk to Mike. So I I called Mike and said, hey, I said, would you be interested in, you know, Lost Limbs Foundation being interested in owning Rhodes Hotel? He's like, we can't afford to do that. I'm like, I didn't ask you that. I said, I asked you, would you be interested in owning it? And he said, well, yeah, we'd be interested in owning it. And I said, okay. I said, well, here's what I want to do. I said, I'm going to talk to Gail and work out a deal where I'll buy Rhodes Hotel and myself. And I said, but what I'll do is we'll put the the, uh, basically the title, the deed, the property in Lost Limbs Foundation's name. And Lost Limbs Foundation, I'm going to loan them the money at no interest, no no penalties, no interest. Um, Pay me back when you can. But the money has to come only from Rhodes Hotel Investigations. So there's never any money in that Donates money to Lost Looms Foundation direct. It goes right to that account. It doesn't. You know, nobody touches that. Just the Lost Looms Foundation money that comes into Rhodes Hotel uh, for doing investigations and public invites and stuff like that will be used then to pay me back. And so he thought that was kind of a cool idea. He wasn't sure why I wanted to do it, but I told him I said the reason I want to do it is that when I'm gone i know that there's, there's a location out there that's still bringing in money every year as long as they can keep the building open and keep it up and running. They're bringing in money to help these kids. And uh, so it's kind of like the, the gift that keeps on giving. And, and the, uh, but you know, I, mean, I just couldn't turn around and just give them the money to buy it and walk away from it. But at least this way, I know that the money's coming just straight into the hotel and the money that people pay for investigations, I end up ultimately getting a portion of that back because what I do is I know what the expenses are each year because that was the one thing I told Mike. I said, the other thing you're not going to like, I said, I'm going to take a a, 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 a paid of Marcus Lemonis book and I'm going to be a hundred percent in charge until I get my money back. So any decisions that are made at Rose, ultimately I end up you know saying yes or no to, but um, so, yep. So we're doing that. And uh, once I get my money back, then it's, I just walk away from it. I mean, of course he told me, I can't do that either, but so that's what we're doing. So, <laughs> It's just kind of a nice way to be able to, to, to do something down the road when, you know, when you're gone from this world, you're still able to, you know, to, to help out the charity.
1: Yeah. You're so amazing. Thank you for that.
3: Oh uh, No problem. Glad I could do it.
1: Well, I'm glad that you could share that because I do know that there are a lot of people with hearts big like yours who want to help people. And that's a way that they can do that. So, always good to
3: have options but one one thing that a lot of people in fact i from my insurance side of things one thing that i people i've seen do before is they'll buy a life insurance policy on themselves they'll donate the money let's say that the life insurance policy costs a hundred dollars a year to pay the premium they'll donate to the church a hundred dollars the church in turn pays for this life insurance policy they're the they're the uh, the beneficiary, and they're also the agent on the policy, they pay the premium with that $100, so it didn't cost the churchy thing, but there's a life insurance policy, that, you know, if something happens to that person, the church then and it gets that money. So that's just another way that you can do it along the same guidelines, which is a lot smaller than own, buying a building.
1: Cool beans. That's interesting. That doesn't surprise me that you know all of those things. <laughs> You have been a businessman for a very long time and a smart Yeah, and, and they're all
3: legal, too, so that's what even makes it better.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, probably don't want to be wearing orange at this point. but
3: No, not a good idea.
1: No. Well, now we have someone who would like to know any stories about things that have happened to you at Ashmore when you were there alone. She said, other than the
3: bats. Oh. Ha ha ha. <laughs> That's I think we're we're down to maybe like one or two bats is all we've seen in the building or once a but yeah, we can't figure out where they're at. But um yeah, I actually did have a few things that and most of them happened when I first bought the location. And the uh, the first thing that happened to me, we were cleaning out the boiler room down there one day and I had two girls that were down there help me. And as we're walking out, I told the girl I said, Hold on a second, and said before we walk up the stairs I said, let me tie my shoelaces because you know how when you, when you're walking and your shoelace becomes untied and you step onto your foot, you almost trip yourself because your foot stops. Yeah. That's what happened to me. And so I, I looked down at my shoes and both strings are tied. Perfect. There's nothing there. I could not have been touching, stepping on laces whatsoever. I'm like, okay, well, something just grabbed my foot because my foot stopped while I was walking towards the stairs and it was in the boiler room, actually right where Nick Groff was sitting when they did the episode of uh, Ghost Adventures down there. And he got uh, he got cut. But it was the uh, same spot that he did. And then when Brad Kling came out and did the investigation out there, the documentary, they had a huge amount of activity in the boiler room as well. So that was the first thing that happened to me. The uh, The second time, I was up on the third floor hooking up electrical and when I was doing it, I mean, I'm not sensitive. I'm about as sensitive as a rock. So I I was up there working on this, putting it all together. And something kept telling me that I need to leave. And I said, you know, I'm like, it's the middle of the afternoon. I'm not leaving. And uh, so it kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And after about probably an hour, I said, finally, I'm like, okay, threw my hands up and I said, fine. If you guys are having a party out here and I'm not invited, I'll leave. That's okay. And so I left. And I was heading down to uh, the local lumber store to pick up some material to work on stuff for the next day. And I called my wife, and I told her what I was doing. She's like, what are you doing that now for? And she because I usually go go down there about 7 or 8 o'clock at night and pick stuff up. That way I can get up, you know, 10 to 12 hours working during the day. And I said, well, there's something in the building that just didn't want me there. And so I'm like, so I decided to leave. And, but I've never had that experience with that since. Um, The other experience I had out there is on the third floor, and I was down at the large area that we have actually set up now for the memorial section. And when I was down there, we actually had some pigeons that got in the building. I was trying to get rid of them. They had windows open, trying to get rid of them. And I finally took a pellet gun up there and was going to shoot pigeons. And I heard footsteps coming up the back stairs. And then I heard a voice say, he's up shooting pigeons. So I walked over to the stairs and looking down, and there was nobody on the stairway. And the door down below there was locked, but there was a guy sitting at the front steps. So I went out to the front steps. So I'm like, hey, Dave. I said, Were you just up the back stairs. I said, who are you talking to? He said, I wasn't in the building at all. Said, I've been sitting out here since you were going to shoot the pellet I figured I want to make sure nobody came to the building. I said, no, you were in the back stairs because I heard you come up the stairs and talk about me shooting pigeons. He's like, nope, haven't moved. So I am like, okay, well, they know I'm not shooting pigeons because they just said that. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, and those were all during the day and things happen there and it's just, you know, it's, I don't, I don't go out and post that stuff, uh, put it out there on Facebook or anything like that, because as the venue owner, I think sometimes people post so much about their location that you start wondering if what they're telling is the truth. So I don't post anything that happens to me at all. If people ask, I'll tell you, but I don't, I don't do it. Just, Oh my God, this happened to me today and tell everybody that's what what happened.
1: Well, I agree with you because that's one of the reasons when I have experiences at a public location. I try to tell people about it so that they can you know 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 what to anticipate or experience and like I'm real open and honest about where I've had experiences where I have you know had quieter days or investigations and stuff like that, but pretty much. I've been fortunate I've only had a couple of them that were completely you know snoozeville, and it was not a cheer place <laughs> i was I was so impressed because I was there with two of my friends and we had come up for the Muslims foundation event, and that was a trek well worth it, well worth it, but coming from Alabama to there was just a little bit of a drive when we got there it was so interesting because yeah i knew most of the people there and i had a had a good time with the pre-investigation thing when we started investigating i had just gotten over at um the gettysburg ghost exchange before i left gettysburg uh, uh Oh, what is that called it's the it's a little like baby rem pod, but instead of things going up, it has like little sticks that poke out and light up around it puck
3: Pot- oh it well? might be, yeah but I, anyway yeah, yeah, yep
1: I'd never used it because it was you know new to me. Well, I set it down on the ground and I said, I mean, I wasn't even set up yet, but I put it, I turned it on and put it on the ground and I said, this is something that I got new if you want to check it out. I don't know what to do with this. So I guess you're the guinea pig. (laughs) I don't know know what I said, but something like that. And it was in that over the front door, the first room on the left upstairs. And it was so cool because it was like somebody did like a, a slow walk. Halfway around it, and it lit up, and I was just excited that it was lighting up. Right, I was just like woo, but it was, it was really a good experience. Of course, someone else filmed it because I did not have anything else set up because I just lit, you know turned it in and threw it on the floor. But there was stuff all over your location.
3: It, yeah, we have a lot of people that have experiences outside too and a lot of people don't investigate the grounds but that happens out there and you know there's all kinds of stuff that happens around the outside of the area because when the building was there they had there was like almost like 25 buildings around the property so there was people coming in and out of those other buildings all the time but they're just it's probably uh, it's probably residual but at the same time there's it's still active out there on the grounds
1: well i didn't go out there to do anything because i was not really dressed appropriate for the weather it had been oh so nice and toasty and when we got there there was like bodacious wind it was it was so pretty though looking across those fields from upstairs and it dropped like 20 degrees (laughs) from when I got there until when we went back to get ready to do the investigation and grab something to eat on the way it was Fortunately, there was a JCPenney behind my hotel so I could grab a heavier coat to put over my wider one. But I love investigating outside, especially in the area like around Ashmore Estates, because there's really not anything. You, know, you, you have power. You have power to your, your structures, but it doesn't appear to have anything else until you get to the residences on down that track. And I bet there is some good stuff going on. But then again, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about Children of the Corn and I don't know how comfortable I would be. So, it'll be it'll <laughs> there's be, a lot of corn be
3: there. There'll be bean field this year, so you're safe this year.
1: All right. Well, what is your favorite experience that someone has related to you about activity at Ashmore?
3: We, uh, I was out there there's a couple of them. and people have some really crazy experiences of what they call a ghost helmet and uh that uh jd stafford has built and they had some some wild experiences with things like that that happened but i think one of my favorite ones i was out there one night and uh, i usually don't investigate in fact i've actually never really investigated the building really at all because i'm usually there early morning and then by the time i get done it at night you know i've about had it work-wise but this group that was there, there were some friends of mine there, and they asked me if I could go with them, so I did. And the one lady said, she was like, I'm seeing I'm seeing a man standing across the room from me. And I said, all right, so let me tell you what he looks like. I said, no, let me tell you, let me write down what I think you're going to tell me, and let's compare notes. And so I just wrote down on my phone real quick everything that I thought she might be seeing of this person. <clears throat> and then they were filming it, which is going to be an episode on their, their YouTube channel sometime soon. And they were filming it, what I was writing down, and when I got done, I said, all right, go ahead and tell me. And she told me actually everything I wrote down on my phone, she nailed it. I mean, she had you know the tall man in the coveralls with the large rim hat and just going on and on about this person that was standing there. So what I like to do is I think it's fun when I can tell people where I think they had experiences of the building and uh, it's, it's uh, it helps them. Lee Kirkland, when Nick Ruff was out there the first year in 2015, they uh Lee came down and said, like, Man, he's like, I just saw a shadow figure. He said, I couldn't believe it. he's like it just walked right across the hall. And I said, Let me tell you where I think it was. I said, Was it upstairs on the third floor by the white door? And Lee turned white <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> What? He's like I'm not sure what's creepier, that I saw this or you knew where I saw it and I said, Yeah, I said it happens up there all the time. And uh I said, That's why I thought that's probably where you were. He's like he's like, Well, he's like that's that's just incredible that you know, that this happens so much that you know exactly where it's at. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the building kind of, kind of, you know, continues to do that and, you know, helps itself out and it gets a chance for people to see things But it's a, it's a cool structure to have. It's a lot of work. Um, and a lot of people think you're getting rich off that I'm lucky and happy if I can break even each year uh, with the location, because it's just a, it's kind of a weekend type of place for the most part. So, Um, nobody's getting rich off of these places that are just basically booking on weekends.
1: Well, that's true. But they're really good if you have somebody that's interested in research who comes in and spends specific times there. I think that a lot of these places that are setting themselves up specifically as like paranormal research centers, they're not going to be getting a lot of the weekends as much, but they, they are getting a lot of interest from people that are just, just dead on it, wanting to get more information, more evidence, more specifics, testing, different equipment, but, you know, people do that there anyway, you know, they come, they investigate there, and like me with that piece of equipment, I had not used that in that environment. So I was excited to be able to test something new. And since then, I've been able to take it other places and test it too. You know, so I'm interested in finding out what equipment works at what location. And then I can kind of get down to analytics as to why. And I think a lot of people are doing that now.
3: Yeah, Bill Chappell talked to me, um, it's been a year or two ago, that he likes to, if he could work it out flight-wise to make it happen, he wants to come out and spend a week out there sometime and just play with the equipment. But he just got done building a house, so he's been tied up with that. So hopefully sometime soon Bill will uh, have a chance to come out and spend a week out there just testing different equipment and everything throughout the building.
1: See, things like that. And being able to have access like that is – I feel like one of the the best ways to kind of advance the field because you come closer to having an understanding of what is interacting, why, and how. It's just interesting. And Sherry in chat said, every time anyone that she's ever met that's been to Ashmore have awesome stories to tell, it's very active. Yes, it is. It's active when you don't expect it.
3: one thing I always saw about Ashmore and I hear from a lot of people that even that said that, that even, if, you know, they walked away and said, even if we don't get anything, because a lot of people go back and listen to the record when they get home. Um, personally, I like to do stuff when I'm at the location in case something happens, I can keep going with it. But right. um, they said, you know, even if we don't get anything. It's a place that just and kind of like invites you back, that you just want to come back to it, um, the, you know, without a doubt. And I've got, I've got one friend, Terry, that's been out there, yeah, you know, she comes out there eight, nine times a year and uh it's a different stuff that's going on. So she uh, in fact if somebody says something the other day it's like, What's the first thing you're gonna do when you know when this whole thing breaks loose and she's like, Hello Ashmore. So, and uh because she has so many experiences out there and I think that uh she just enjoys it.
1: Well, it's it is enjoyable when that's going on. You know, I I love a location down here and when the new owner got it, it was like almost two years before I was healthy enough to go and walk it. And it was, it was my leg. It wasn't like lungs or heart or anything, but yeah, it was a mobility thing. And it was a hot, uh, old South Pittsburgh. There was no way I could get in there. They were doing cleanup and doing all this stuff, you know, and I couldn't even volunteer to help. I was sitting at home going stir crazy. I would be like that with your location if it were closer and some place that I could just zip up the road to. I love your place. I do need to let people know you are listening to w b h m Digital broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama, and consider this our break so when you first bought it and you were holding your first event there, what was your first event?
3: Oh um other than the public things we did, I guess probably Nick Groff tour came out in April of 2015. I think that was his first year they were there. And um, yeah, that was probably the first major event we did. We did some other things, but that was like the first one uh, that's a major event. And it was fun when Nick came to, in fact, he was with Chad Lindbergh that day. And, uh, and then actually, yeah, the uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk were with them also, but, when uh, Nick walks in the building, we were on the third floor walking through there, and Nick's like, okay, how do you get to the next floor up? I said, well, this is it. I said, we've already been to the third floor. He's like, no. He said, he said, when we filmed Ghost Adventures out here a few years ago, he's like, you couldn't even see in the rooms up here. And I said, yeah. I said, I cleaned it all out. And he's like, wow. he's like, he's like I've never seen all this space. And uh, so I think that was one thing that, in fact, I told him, I said, I think it's probably, it's probably not as creepy as it was when you were here. He's like, no, it's creepier because now everything's open and there's anything that happens now is that there's no, you know, imagination that something, you know, something happened back there. Somebody faked something or anything. said, it's, uh, you can definitely, it's a creepier vibe now since it's all open that you can see everything than it was before when they were there. But the only thing they could do is investigate in the hallway because every room was full of junk.
1: Right. And see, that's interesting to me because I've only seen it cleaned out. But I, I
3: think it. on my Facebook page, yeah the, yeah, the Facebook page we've got a bunch of pictures there that that you can see with the with the rooms full of stuff. But we filled up almost five dumpsters worth of stuff that we took out and threw away.
1: Yeah, you told me that, and I have seen the pictures. But yeah, my experience of it is big, open, especially that one room where. Chris and Rachel were set up. It is, it is just very airy and spacious. And he's right because you know if it is all cluttered up, then you hear something and you can brush it off. To oh well, something shifted or whatever. And you know my poor husband does not do this. And we're sitting in the living room and you know something clinked or whatever. He said, I think somebody wants you. And I'm like, no, I'm sure that was just something settling in the sink, you know, but, um, he's so funny. But Ash Bash, that's what I went to. I went to Ashbash.
3: Okay. That was, um, we, we, had a couple, yeah, we did the, we did it then. And, uh, we had the birthday party in 2016 mm-hmm. and, um, and then we did, uh, we did Ash Bash last year. And we're, uh, we're kind of scheduled with it this year. Um, I'm still toying with that, whether I'm going to do it or not do it. And it it's not till October, but at the same time, um, I'd rather people were safe than doing an event like that.
1: Well, and people appreciate that, too. You know, it's so trying right now because you don't know what to anticipate. You know, the I think that things are getting in a little bit of a rush to get open, I understand the need for income for people because that was a great big ball somebody was trying to take to the hoop and it was tough to get in there. They missed a little bit. But um but at least they're in their pitching. Boy, those were three different sports all thrown into one comment. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gift. But um you know. If you have something up there and you're confident in it and I can talk the hubster into it, I will be there supporting you because I think that, I think that that's something that as a community we need to do too, because y'all are going without investigations. Y'all are going without really being able to do anything with your locations. You can't even have somebody, you know, just coming in off the cuff. So, and all of y'all are, are, feeling that pain. So I think that definitely I will be coming to help put a few dollars in the kitty to go to whatever you're, you're doing.
3: Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough right now because you don't know what to do and when to do it. And, you know, so you're just kind of, kind of winging it, so to speak. And, and, you know, it, I just don't want to take a chance of uh, opening up too soon with things. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, we need to open it up just to uh, you know because if we don't, it's gonna be tough to uh, it's tough to pay the bills each year. Fortunately, I don't I don't depend on the income from Ashmore State. I just leave it in the account to take care of things. With like the roof, I got to replace that. We had a bunch of damage done to it for the windstorm a couple weeks ago, and uh, actually the night that we were talking. So uh, got to take care of that and uh, and a few other things. But uh, we're just we're just kind of wait and see how it goes and see what we can do.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I really do think that people have done fairly well. I know that some people are antsy, and I know that a lot of times, you know, you just kind of watch Facebook or watch whatever news source. I'm trying not to watch news sources, but, um, you know, you just shake your head and go, oh, my God, some people's children. This is unbelievable that I've been saying that for a few years now. It's just, you see so much, and people are so unkind for no good reason, and it's just like,
4: hmm,
1: one day you're going to grow up, and you're going to rue that, and then I see grown-ups out there doing the same thing, and it's just like, tough. This is tough. It's like the people that are going out and and protesting, and I got tickled because I wasn't tickled about the situation. I was tickled because two days after they protested, well, I guess today makes a week, and they have all these sick people, and I'm like, well, then they had to have been exposed before they went because the gestation period, this is this is interesting, and this is not true. <laughs> it's not relevant. So you, you have to be careful what you watch. I mean, there's a two-week... Uh, well, I guess a week to two-week gestational period. So it's just scary stuff. And now they're saying that it does this and it does that. They just keep adding things, and now it's like getting shill on your fingers and toes seems to be a symptom of it. I mean, there's just so much that they keep adding, and you can't live in fear, but you can't be a goober either. Tough call.
3: No, I think- yeah, I don't think they really know exactly what everything is going on with it right now. And they t- toss out more stuff that happens and you just call it COVID and just go from there. But hopefully sooner or later it'll all clear up. And uh, it's never, I mean, I should say that it's not going to clear up. It's just, you know, hopefully it gets controlled. There's a vaccine that's uh, available and, you know, you can kind of move on.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they did it with H1N1. They did it with SARS. They did it with MERS. I mean, there's all kinds of all kinds of things that we've had this experience with. They keep saying not since, you know, 1918 or whenever with the Spanish flu. And it's like, not true. Not true. We have had this happen recently. It just hasn't been this bad. And because this is not acting like any illness they've ever seen before. It's like it does weird things and it shifts gears on you right when you think you're getting a handle on something. It's almost like it's intelligent. It's just weird. So, I'm not saying it's intelligent. (laughs) But I am saying that the professor at Harvard was, that they arrested who was involved with that thing actually is a nanotechnology researcher. And he is on the board of uh, Elon Musk's staff and he is a guru on that. It's fascinating topics, but yeah, you, know, you don't want people like that running loose. So I am just fascinated by the science side of it. I wish I understood more about how they develop those vaccines, but it's just an amazing process. I hope that they do find a way to get it sooner. They keep saying eighteen yep. months, and we'll be into another season by eighteen months.
3: Yeah, depending on if this actually runs like a, a cold weather type of situation or not, but I'm not convinced that the uh, the warm weather kills it because they've they still had problems in Florida. It's pretty warm down there, and you know there's, the issues are still going on. So I don't think they really know what's yeah. happening with it yet.
1: Well, you know they are. Um, they are currently at most people's summer temperatures. They have been, and I'm not hearing a lot of explanation for that either. But I still hope, I still hope that that's going to make a difference. You gotta hope.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to get warmer, so you just hope that, it, that you know that it waits it out. That's the best thing that can happen.
1: Well, and, you know, the good thing with that is people will be outside, they'll be running around, they'll be healthier because they're moving outside, and you know, all the things that make you feel better happen when it's warmer. For me. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's not, it's not like That's yeah, why that flu virus is so, so prevalent in the winters, because everybody's inside, you're cooped up inside mm-hmm. for the most part, and those germs just Stay there, and you know you don't get out getting rid of things. And uh, yeah, that's that's why that winter months are so particular with the flu.
1: Well, this was the first time I've ever had it. I do not have any intention of rushing to do that again. <laughs> I'm done, one and done, if I'm lucky. So, what would you like to leave people knowing about you?
3: Oh, um, just that I'm kind of a, a person that tries to do what I can to help, uh, to help different charities or, you know, others that, uh, that need it when we can. And, you know, we're just trying to try and make things better.
1: I love that because you actually do it. You know, you don't just try, you actually, you actually do it. And thank you for that because, From somebody looking out and, you know, people will be coming there, you know, hopefully people who have never been there will come as a result of this interview and others that you do. And, you know, when they know what you're about, I think that it would be they'll look forward to getting to know you and talk with you and, you know, participate in things that you're doing. Which will only help more people. I'm glad you were here.
3: Yeah. Oh, you. yeah, we we try to. I mean it's you know, you try to do what you can. I get really discouraged when I see people post stuff on our Facebook page, something like that, that, you know, they were greedy charging mouse to come out there and it's like, really? It's like, you know, who do you think has to pay for all these bills and take care of it? And and then when we take the money and we're donating so much of it to charity and all anyway that we do doing. It's like You know, they just don't understand it. They just, you know, just come out and they're keyboard warriors, and they don't even worry about them anymore. It's just, it just, uh, it just frustrates you after what sometimes when you see that stuff going on.
1: Well, it does, and you know, I'm hoping that coming out of this, maybe as a country, we'll have more of a sense of community. It's, um, it's a very divided set, and I mean, it didn't just happen recently. It's been going on for a long time, a long time. And it's not any one administration or any other administration. I mean, it's just a mindset that's been growing. I blame it on the the parents that believe that everybody got a trophy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay to you know, be different and not have a mindset and to be able to be proud of something that you've earned and done and be, you know, be acknowledged for that. So I, I was not raised by those parents and I really was upset about that. <laughs> but I, I just appreciate you. I appreciate you coming. I appreciate your patience when everything went loop-de-loop two weeks ago. And it appears that, you know, knock wood, we're going to get through this one. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of sage. Yeah, it
3: sounds like it anyway, so that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. But, well, y'all, we are just about out of time. Um, I do want to let you know that I am going to be just having... A fantastic week. I hope y'all do too. Um, please keep everyone who is fighting for their lives in your prayers, and especially keep the people who are trying to keep them alive in your prayers. Because I have friends in nursing and doctors too, and radi- you know, X-ray technicians and respiratory therapists. And man, this is killing them. It's killing them because they cannot, they're geared toward healing. And when this stuff goes south, it goes quickly. And I can't imagine being that person. And I, I just want to say a special thank you.
3: We may have spoke too soon. At least I'm not getting the, the vocal voices coming through really weird now.
1: Oh, really? That's okay. But we are, we are going to go. But thank you, everyone. Thank you, Robin, for being here again. Oh, we may have spoken too soon. Well, that's okay. That again, you know, there is, there is so much out there happening And you can be the change. Let's do that. I'm trying to. Just step up and do it. Robin does it every day. And he's really an inspiration. Yeah, I
3: think think I've lost you.
1: That's okay. We will be back next week. I'll be back Sunday with um, Mike Masters. Y'all take care.